0: Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Practicology Podcast in 2024. Happy New Year to you all. We're glad to have you with us again, and Mike, it's good to be with you again.
1: Yeah, Matthew, you and I were just talking how it's been so long since we've done a proper episode together, so it's great to be uh, back in this again together and before we get into today's teaching, uh, how about a reminder, Matthew, about our upcoming reading challenge. What's the book again? The book is Why I Am
0: a Christian by John Stott, S-T-O-T-T. It's, uh, as I've mentioned before, it is a short read. It's not a difficult read, but it is a fruitful read. And we encourage you to pick that up in preparation for our February reading challenge and I Love to Read Month.
1: Yeah, and I just checked out where um, it's available on Logos Bible Software. So if you go to Logos.com, you can buy it for $7 U.S., which is probably, what, 10 or 11 Canadian. But um, that may be cheaper than what you'll find in other places. It's, it's at least a place you may not have thought of to, to buy the book. And uh, you can read it on the free downloadable Logos Bible app.
0: So Mike, how do you feel about reading electronically versus reading a hard copy hold-in-your-hands book?
1: Yeah, good question. It it all depends on the book for me. So a small one that's not too heavy, uh, I'm very happy to read it digitally. Um, If it's a reference book, I'm very happy to read it digitally. But if it's, you know, if it's a beautiful, big, long book that uh, isn't either of those two kinds of books, then I would prefer to have it in my hand for sure.
0: Fair enough. Good. Hope you get a hold of it somehow, whether hard copy or digitally, we encourage you to find that.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah of course uh, these reading challenges are never meant to be a distraction from reading the book of all books Mm -hmm. the bible and so why don't we transition to what we want to cover in the teaching here for this episode and uh, maybe i'll start by by this Um, it's very common to get a a verse for the new year and recently i've heard more about people maybe not getting a verse but just one word for for the year it could be the word joy or strength i don't know matthew do, do you do you do either of those things? It's
0: not something that I actively pursue or seek out, but I would say in reflection, there are times when God has brought something to me that has stuck with me for a good while, but it's not something I've I've asked him for so much. But I mean, there's even been something just in my very own personal reading just in the last couple of days that has uh, jumped out at me that I wonder if it's something I need to think about and uh, live in the good of and act on more in coming months so perhaps that will prove to be that what about you
1: yeah yeah that's how it is for me too i don't actively pursue it but i i often find myself at the end of the year and the beginning of a new one obviously taking time to reflect and and reading scripture and very often a verse does pop out and and as you see it just kind of gets stuck in my mind i can't get it out and and so it's almost like the word is giving me a verse for the year you know and, uh, and this has happened at the end of 2023 and beginning of 2024. This verse from Peter uh, keeps coming back to me. And it's not so much the words as the picture he paints with them. So in 2 Peter 1.19, he speaks of the Bible as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts and I just can't get that picture of this lamp shining in a gloomy place out of Mm -hmm. my mind.
0: I love that text, and it's certainly a vivid image. I I can see why that would stick in your mind. Especially this time of year, as we begin a new year, many of us are resolving to try and read our Bibles again this year, to read it maybe the whole way through, or just to read the Scriptures more, and we're often looking forward to the future and to the coming of the Lord, and and, uh, that Scripture that you've highlighted blends both of those things doesn't it
1: mm-hmm. yeah so i thought i'd start the podcast off on that note this year of course one of the biggest struggles we find when we're trying to read through the bible is that our motivation runs out maybe it's not so hard you know the first few days of the year but that's only because we've maybe had some time off work and we're excited to start fresh and we have more discipline. But it doesn't take long and we discover that this New Year is just like all the other years we've lived. Uh, Life is busy, we're stressed and stretched, the days fill in with worries and problems, and the novelty of that brand new Bible reading plan wears off, maybe right around the place it dips into Leviticus. So, So I thought it'd be helpful to get the Apostle Peter on the show today and see if he would give us four motivations to persevere in reading Scripture in 2024. Sounds
0: exciting to have the Apostle Peter on the show. We, we've had some excellent guests on the show in recent months: Nathan Pratt, Justin Pratt, Stephen Vance, Thomas Seal, Vince Camber, and we have had a Peter, Peter Tyson, but having the Apostle Peter definitely takes the cake. So let me read what the Apostle Peter wrote on this in full: Second Peter chapter one verses nineteen to twenty-one.
1: how if someone gets a diamond, they pick it up and they look at it from this angle and that angle and, and turn it around and, you know, put it in different lights and so on. The point is they turn it around and around, look at it from many different perspectives in order to try and appreciate all its beauty. Well, it's like Peter picks up the Bible and does the same thing. He looks at it one way, then another way. And uh, so first he looks at the Bible against the darkness, and then he he shifts and he looks at it against the dawn of a new day. And he picks it up again and he, he looks at it in contrast to man-made myths. And then finally, he looks at it against the backdrop of a personal encounter. Now, that I expect that to go over most of our heads and, and not stick, but we're going to go through that more slowly now. And as we join Peter and look at the Bible against the backdrop of darkness, day, myths, And personal relationship we will find that the apostle peter has given us four powerful motivations to persevere in scripture reading this year and for our whole lifetimes so number one if you're struggling with motivation to read god's word number one picture the bible against the darkness this is coming very clearly from verse 19 peter says and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place so when he says the prophetic word there that that's the old testament mm-hmm. scriptures and peter says pay attention to them pay attention to the bible look at it closely why because it's like a lamp shining in a dark yeah, place brings
0: to mind psalm 119 the famous verse 105 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path and this picture of the Bible as a light or lamp that's not new to Peter then but what is the dark place that Peter's talking about what, is it a dark place in our lives or is he just describing the world as dark
1: yeah I don't think it's speaking first and foremost about a dark time in a person's personal life or, or like when you're going through depression or something although of course it totally applies to that but it, I think it's first and foremost talking about this world as a place of moral gloom mm-hmm. and darkness Peter is writing to Christians who are being exposed to false teachers. These false teachers are denying the word of God. They're denying the promises of God, including the promise of God that one day the Lord will return and there'll be a day of judgment. And uh, in light of that denial of God's word, they are encouraging followers of Jesus Christ to fall headlong into moral sin, into sexual sin. And, um, And so this is just one example of the moral darkness and gloom in the world. And I think we see similar things today in the headlines. You know, uh, both the Catholic Church and the Church of England, sadly, have made major compromises recently on God's intention for sex and marriage, for example.
0: Yeah, that's a good example from the religious environment. Uh, We sense that darkness, certainly, in so many other ways. I think in our own country of Canada, the concerning trajectory of our laws uh, enabling Physician-assisted suicide, seemingly so easily, um, the proliferation of abortion that we just so easily grow accustomed to, but it's it's an awful thing. Or you think of the wars in Ukraine and um, Israel and Palestine, and uh, more personally, that the havoc that sin causes in our churches, or families, and workplaces, in our own hearts. There's plenty of darkness, is my point.
1: Mm-hmm. And Peter's point is let that darkness motivate you to read your bible to pay attention to it to pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place and this is why this image has stuck so powerfully in my mind Uh, imagine you're lost in the darkness maybe your car quit in the middle of the cold canadian prairies and it's minus 30 outside and you happen to be in this really off the grid place where there's no cell service and you don't know where you are, and there's, there's literally no one around to turn to. There's no traffic coming down the road. And you know, with uh, the temperature gauge at where it is, you're in big trouble. You're enveloped by darkness. But then imagine you see a light far off in the distance, and it begins to move towards you. What would you do? Well, every one of us would do the same thing. We would focus on it obsessively. We would not take our eye off of it. You'd hardly want to blink. All your hope and attention would be focused on that light, you see, all the darkness and gloom and coldness would be motivating you to look away from the darkness and pay close attention to the light. And in the same way, we're to let the moral darkness that surrounds us in this world, we to let it motivate us to pay attention to that warm, shining glow that is the Bible.
0: Yeah, and that's a light we're certainly not going to see much of in just reading, listening to the news. Mike, often when we see the darkness of our world, we start getting angry maybe and uh, pretty soon we find ourselves spending more and more time reading those news headlines or watching videos documenting all this evil and uh, maybe people go into chat rooms where they can feed on other people's anger against the evil. And I know there's a place for righteous anger. We've spoken about that on the podcast in the past, but there is a danger that we get sucked into something that results in spending less and less attention on God's Word. And listener, if that's you... We'd love you to heed what Peter is counseling you today. Let all that darkness that you are so justly, understandably fired up about, let it move you to spend more and more time, not less time, more time, more attention on the Holy Scriptures. Let them be a light to your soul.
1: Amen. So motivation number one, when your interest in reading the Bible is beginning to slip, close your eyes and picture it with Peter has this bright, cheery, light-giving lamp in a world of darkness. And say to yourself, I need to draw closer to that lamp. The darker these days get, the more I need to expose my eyeballs to the light of that book. And then secondly, uh, number two, picture the Bible against the day. Picture it against the day. Peter says the Bible is a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts.
0: Yeah, so first he's held up the Bible and looked at it against the backdrop of the night, as you mentioned in your intro. Now he's turned it around. He's looking at it in the opposite direction against the dawning of the day. What's he got in mind here, Mike?
1: Well, the dawning of the day uh, refers to the Lord's return. So the Bible is a lamp shining in darkness until the day dawns. And in the context of Second Peter, that day is the Lord's return. I mean, you can just look up at verse 16, which begins this paragraph, and, and Peter talks about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying, look, there is a correspondence between what the Bible does and what the future coming of Christ will do. The Bible is a lamp shining in a gloomy place. The coming of Christ is the dawning of a new day. When Christ comes, you know, the, the sun will rise. The, the lights will be thrown on in, in the universe. The darkness will flee away forever. And as we read our Bibles, it's like a, a mini experience of that. Our Bibles are lamps shining in the darkness of the night to get us through until the day dawns, when the ultimate light comes on. And it's like every time we read our Bibles, we get to experience in miniature what we will experience in total and and for forever at the majestic coming of our Lord Jesus
0: Christ. Putting these first two points together, if we find our interest and resolve to read scriptures waning a little bit, we can first look at all the darkness And let all that evil and darkness and hopelessness drive us to seek out the light of the Bible. helps us to realize we need the light of Scripture. And secondly, we can look away from darkness to the dawn of the day when the Lord comes and say, if I read my Bible, I I get to experience a little of what I will experience in full in the presence of the Lord in a coming day. So reading the Scriptures are gonna help me endure with joy unto that day, right?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, we need to learn to close our eyes sometimes and then, paradoxically, to see. You know, close our eyes and see the darkness. Oh, I need a lamp. And then close our eyes and see the day dawning. I need my Bible because it prepares me and, and it wets my appetite for that great day that's coming. Incidentally, we, we've been sleeping in a bit lately here in the Knox household over the holidays, but today we set the alarm clock so I could be ready to do this episode. And wow, what a sunrise we saw. And we've been missing them because we've been sleeping in. Well, I wonder what mini sunrises we miss when when we just don't make time for the word right and so whether it's in the morning or afternoon or evening set a time aside to to look at the little sunrises in the word until the day when the dawn comes the bible is god's flashlight given to us so we can make our way in the darkness until the day dawns of christ's return so then thirdly uh, picture the Bible, not just against the darkness nor against the day, but number three, picture the Bible against the myths, the myths. So we're here at the Apostle Peter's third motivation for us to pay attention to God's Word this year. And it's this, how reliable and true the Word of God is. And we can see very quickly how much Peter stresses the utter reliability of God's Word in this paragraph. First, he says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. He's just been talking about how he was an eyewitness at the transfiguration of Christ, and he's saying, you know, that transfiguration of Christ that I saw, it more fully confirms that the prophetic word is reliable. And so to quote Matthew Harmon, he he says, the transfiguration is an initial fulfillment, maybe I'd be more comfortable saying the transfiguration is, is a preview of Jesus's enthronement as king of the world, anticipating the day he will return in glory to consummate his kingdom." So, the, uh, yeah, Peter's talking about the reliability of God's word. It's, it's more fully confirmed, and then secondly, uh, jumping down to verse 20, Peter says, you know, pay attention to the word as a lamp shining in a dark place. Why? Because knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is the ultimate author of scripture. And so a major feature of scripture that motivates us to pay attention to it is just its reliability, its truthfulness, its fully confirmed, its trustworthy, its origin, is God himself, the God who cannot lie.
0: Yeah, your comments there are reminding me of a helpful book, I am pretty sure you've read it, I really enjoyed it, Kevin DeYoung's Taking God at His Word. Have you read that one? hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. we highly recommend that to you, but it comes to mind because he talks about this passage as well. And in what Peter says here, there's a a third way in which he's underscoring the reliability of God's word, verse 16, back at the beginning of the paragraph, for we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead we were eyewitnesses of his majesty.
1: Yeah, so this is the third angle Peter wants us to view the Bible from. We, we view it against the darkness, against the day, and then thirdly, against the backdrop of all the myths, fables, the inventions, the fairy tales of men. I was flipping through the Saturday paper last weekend. Of course, it has this huge horoscope section. I never read a word of it. Uh, likely, I could have found my section in there and read something vaguely positive and promising about my future. But, but who cares, right? It's totally unreliable. And, and I've been thinking again about Abigail Favali. Uh, we mentioned her story in the last um, Cloaks, Books, and Parchments episode, uh, number 138. Well, she was in doctoral studies. She's reading and writing all kinds of postmodern stuff regarding feminism and Christianity and so on. And she says there were days in her studies and writing where she'd look up from the page and think, I'm just making stuff up, you know? Like she just have this realization, I'm just making all this up. And, and she says further, in these moments I had the fleeting anxious sense that the work I was doing was not connected to any kind of genuine knowledge.
0: Yeah, a while before you mentioned uh, Abigail, I had read an article where the author was saying the same thing, he was into gender studies and he was saying the same thing that he realized he was just making it all up. Everybody in his field he felt was making it all up. And as we say that, beloved brothers and sisters, I uh, we just wanna ask you, are you tired of not knowing who or what you can trust? I feel that way sometimes with, with the media, with the news in general, I, I'm wondering who I can trust. Do you want somewhere that you can put your feet down on solid, objective, reliable, eternal, rock solid truth? Well, that's what our Bible is for. Picture your Bible against the backdrop of all the lies and theories and myths of men and know that scripture is fully confirmed and true.
1: And Peter has one more motivation for us and he wants us now finally to picture our Bible against the backdrop of a personal encounter. So it'd be really helpful if uh, those of you listening could pause right now and open up your Bible to 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21. Because what you'd see if you did is that this line of Peter's about how we would do well to pay attention to God's word as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You would see how it's sandwiched between the transfiguration of Christ and the future coming of Christ. And, and both of these events, one past, you know, and one still to come, but, but both of these events are events of personal encounter. So just back up to the transfiguration in verse 18 peter says we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the mountain what voice it was the voice of god the father speaking to jesus christ the son from the majestic glory up on top of the mountain and the father was saying about his son this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and you can read this eyewitness encounter for yourself in in the gospels you see, Peter and, and two other apostles had a powerful encounter with the majesty and glory of God the Son. They were firsthand eyewitnesses of this experience. But but do you know what Peter emphasizes in these verses in Second Peter? Not just what they saw, but what they heard. They weren't just eyewitnesses, they were ear witnesses. They personally encountered the glory of God and the majestic presence of God the Father as they heard God bear witness about his son by the Holy Spirit. And then right on the heels of these verses, Peter tells us to pay attention to God's so I word. I think
0: you're suggesting, Mike, that Peter is thinking that we too can personally encounter the presence and majesty of God. We're not standing on that mountain in the physical presence of the Lord Jesus, but we hear his voice in his word, the Bible, right?
1: Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, so Peter is writing this letter of Second Peter, but behind it all, Um, is the same thing that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Behind it all is God the Father bearing witness to his Son through the um, breathing out of the Holy Spirit. And and so as we turn to scripture, we can experience something similar to what Peter experienced. And we see this especially when we turn to the other half of the sandwich. Um, Peter's encouragement to pay attention to scripture comes right after his personal experience of God through his word on the Mount of Transfiguration, but now, going ahead, he he turns to the future coming of Christ that the Transfiguration in some ways prefigured, and he says, until the day dawns, but notice the next bit, and the morning star rises in your hearts. So, at the coming of the Lord, the morning star will rise in our hearts, he's saying. Now, some people look at that and they say, well, Peter can't be talking about a future little return of Christ because it's, too subjective. It's just something that's happening inside someone's heart. It's not a real physical coming of the Lord. Yeah, but it
0: sure sounds to me like the morning star rising is indeed referring to the coming of Christ. The morning star corresponding to the planet Venus that often appears just ahead of or at the same time as the dawn. And think of that Old Testament prophecy from the lips of Balaam, Numbers 24, I see him but not now, I perceive him but not near, a star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. So there's another correspondence of the star to the coming of the Lord Jesus in triumph and victory. I, I would like to hear from you a little bit about it rising in our hearts, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, what do we do with this, right? Um, and, and the answer is, well, a light that shines externally can still pierce right into our interior self. So Gene Green points in his commentary to 2 Corinthians 4.6. Gene 6, Green? Where, All right. Yes. What a name. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not as good as Doug Moo, but <laughs> it's still good for a commentator. Yeah, totally. Um, but he points to 2 Corinthians four six, where Paul talks about the God who in creation said, Let there be light you know, the, the creation was in darkness, and by His powerful word God said, let there be light, and there was light, and, and He created um, uh, the stars, and the sun, and the moon. Well, well, this same God can shine into our dark hearts. So, Peter is saying this, one day the dawn will come, the morning star will rise, Christ will return physically, literally, and in glory. And when He does, we won't need uh, my copy of the ESV anymore, because we will know and experience Christ in our hearts, uh, to quote Peter David's, he says, after the dawn there is no need of Scripture, for the rising of Christ in our hearts gives us full knowledge. He mentions 1 Corinthians thirteen eight to ten there, where we will right now we know in part, but one day we'll know perfectly, and uh, and then he says the light of Christ will be in our hearts, and we will no longer need the Scriptures. One treasures a love letter while the beloved is absent. But once he or she is present, the letter is laid aside in exchange for the personal contact. So, what I think Peter is doing is this. He's not only getting us to picture our Bibles against the dark, against the day, against man-made myths, but he's also getting us to picture them against the backdrop of a personal encounter, a personal relationship. In other words, he's saying that as we read our Bibles, we can have great expectations. Why? Why? Because as we read them, we will have many experiences of God that are not unlike Peter hearing God proclaim the greatness of his Son on the mountain, and we will have many experiences of Christ that are not unlike the fullness of joy that will ravish our hearts when Christ
0: returns. And it would be wonderful if this could be the most powerful motivation of all for our own Bible reading. It is a lamp shining in darkness. It's a light that anticipates the day. It's God's inerrant inspired word. And his word, in his word, we can meet him and experience his presence and see Christ. That's awesome. So next time you don't feel like reading your Bible, brother or sister, and I'm sure that will come, try closing your eyes and picturing it as a lamp shining in a dark place. You need that light. It's a light that's bringing on the dawn of Christ's coming. It's a reliable source of truth in a world that is awash with lies and confusion. And it's a place to experience the presence of Christ in a real relational way, honestly. But Mike, this does uh, raise some questions for me too. We can't take too long on them, but maybe you can give a couple of rapid fire answers. Question one, can you clarify, will we... Will we not be reading our Bible in the kingdom? Or well, let me say, I'll say in eternity.
1: Yeah, I hesitated to um, quote David's there. I, I think I think he's right in the sense that uh, we won't need the scriptures anymore. All that the scriptures ultimately are designed to give us, we will have in full. But I don't think we'll ever be done with the scriptures, you know, um, Yeah, I think we're going to be enjoying them for eternity. I've got some
0: questions to ask some people about the Bible, um, and it'll Mm. be good to to see the light come on in your eyes and understanding on a few things. (laughs) 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 And in my own
1: as well. Well, I'll be so sanctified that I'm not even going to say told you so to you, Matthew.
0: (laughs) Second question, though. um, We talk about this experiencing the presence of Christ. Should that be my... Should I expect that as a daily experience, this amazing experience of God's presence every time I read my Bible?
1: Well, I think we should always come to the Word with high expectations, but that does need to be um, uh, tempered with a healthy dose of biblical realism. And as we read through the Psalms especially, we find out that the people of God don't always have amazing experiences in His Word so no it would be nice but we won't always have that experience and and i would just say don't let perfection paralyze mm-hmm. you in this as a teen i would try to read and then i would really agonize if i wasn't feeling it um then i'd introspect and and try to confess all this sin until i got myself feeling a special spiritual buzz and i've learned not to go down there very much anymore just read the bible regardless of what you're feeling and and know and be motivated by the fact that you really will experience the Lord's presence as you read His Word, and sometimes in in wonderful ways. Not always, but sometimes in very wonderful ways.
0: Can you help me out practically? How will that come about exactly? How can how can I read Scripture to promote that happening, though?
1: Yeah, I think the key. I mean, in addition to praying prayers before we begin, like, uh, "Open my eyes, so that I may be see," so that I may see wonders in in Your Law. Um, in addition to opening with prayer. I think the second thing is to do what Peter tells us to do in these verses. He says, pay attention. Pay attention. We tend to be passive readers when we need to be active readers. We need to lean in, press in, focus on what we're reading. We we need to be aggressive readers. Get a pen, mark things up, write things down, notice what's there, make observations. You know, like even the one I made about our verse today, being surrounded by the transfiguration and the second coming. Pay attention. That's the key. As we pay attention to the Word and try to understand it um, and meditate on it, then we'll begin to experience the presence of the Lord in it.
0: And sometimes what will help us to pay attention is if we've uh, set our phones aside and got them silenced so that we're not distracted by them.
1: Yeah, I think that has to be mentioned almost every time we talk about these things uh, in in our day. Because uh, you know I have nothing against using a screen to read the Bible, but the great danger is that you're not gonna get into the zone because um, we're gonna be wanting to flip here and there to that app and check this out and maybe someone sent us a text and all that. So yeah, that's gonna be a big obstacle. We have to think very carefully and be wise about that. Um, And another way to not be distracted is to have a Bible reading plan so that you're not distracted by just wondering where to read. And I I don't know if you have one, Matthew, but the one I'm using for the second year in a row is called the Navigator's Bible Reading Plan. And I'll just tell you quickly what I love about it. It's only 25 readings a month, so that means five or more grace days per month, and I just find that I need those. Life gets too busy and I miss some days, so it's really helpful to have that extra period at the end of the month to catch up. And I love that it gets me reading in four different places each day in the Bible, Old Testament and New. Um, I love that it gets me to read the whole Bible through in a a year. And um, this is what I really love about it. I love that some areas of the Bible, it divides into smaller chunks. So, there'll be a larger reading, maybe, you know, Old Testament narrative, where I'm going to do two chapters a day. And I'm just going to read those for familiarity. I'm not going to pause too long, likely. But then there's gonna be a reading that's really small, you know, maybe from Philippians or a Psalm. And on those ones, I'm gonna do what Peter says. I'm gonna pay careful attention, I'm gonna slow down, meditate, and turn it into prayer.
0: And if you wanna go back in the distant past of the annals of the Practicology podcast, uh, you can go all the way back to episode 51, uh, where we've got an episode on the habits of grace, meditation, and prayer that will speak a little bit about combining our Bible reading with the practice of prayer. But as we come to the end of our podcast and as I mentioned prayer, uh, let me assure you that Mike and I pray that the Lord will use this podcast and this specific episode to encourage you, to motivate you to persevere this year and paying attention to the Word of God as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. May that be your experience by the grace of God.
1: Amen. May the Lord give you great joy and shine great light into your hearts as you read scripture this
0: Thanks year. Thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you all.